Welcome to the Williamston Theatre Backstage Chat Podcast. The Williamston Theatre is Mid-Michigan's professional regional theatre, and our Backstage Chat Podcast is a way for you to dive deeper behind the scenes and get to know some of the artists at work. So come on, let's go backstage. I'm Emily Sutton-Smith, and in this episode, I get to chat with sound designer Julia Garlot. Julia has been designing sound for Williamston Theatre since 2012. Her Thespi award-winning designs here include Our Lady of Poison and The Woman in Black. She also acted in The Art of Murder and 1053 on Williamston's stage. Some of Julia's other local acting credits include The Mummy Queen, Ripper, and The Winter Wolf at The Penny Seats, The Odd Couple, female version, at Tipping Point Theatre, Noises Off at the Encore Musical Theatre, and King Lear at Shakespeare in Detroit. She has been an actor and sound designer in Southeast Michigan for over 15 years. More recently, she's added directing, audiobook narration, and voiceover to her repertoire. Julia's newest title is Artistic Director at the Penny Seats Theatre in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Julie Garlot, thank you so much for joining us today and spending time with the Williamston Theater Backstage Chat Podcast. And thank you so much. About, uh, yeah, yeah, it's so great to have you here. Um, uh, today, now, first off, I'll say you are someone who has uh, wears many different hats in the theatrical realm. You're mm-hmm. not only a sound designer, but you're an actor, both on stage and a voice actor. Um, you have a new role coming up at another theater company, which we'll talk about uh, mm-hmm. at the end of our little chat here today. And you're a, a crafty artist. Uh, you have an Etsy <laughs> store with a lot of really fun things on it. Um, so you're a woman of many talents. But today, I wanted to talk to you about sound design, because we haven't interviewed a sound designer yet. And sound design to me is so intriguing. And I think people aren't even aware of the role that it plays in storytelling. Um, so for, for our listeners, can you define what sound design means to you? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been asked to define it before, but I, <laughs> I also didn't really realize that it was a thing. It, it wasn't a career that I could go after until I you know, started working in the professional world. Um, had no idea because I think the, the goal of a really good sound design is that you don't necessarily notice it. You know, it's, right. it's giving you an atmosphere. It's giving you um, you know, whether that's music and um, just like a tone to a scene or a transition or, you know, the pre-show music when you first enter the theater uh, or if it's, you know, ambient music or just sounds of a neighborhood or nature or something inside the play, uh, you know, yeah. it shouldn't take you out and you shouldn't be sitting there watching a play going, oh, I, you know, this, now I know where I am because this like I'm in a hospital all of a sudden. Uh, it should right. just put you there without you having to think about it. Um, so that's the goal is is to kind of, you know, be in, in the background a little bit, uh, you know, not, not ever wanting to stop the play 
to <laughs> listen to a song, you know, like you want to add right. to the story and, and the atmosphere of the, the whole thing without distracting. Um, so it, I help, think, it helps create the world. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure everybody's seen those videos that have popped up on, on social media recently, how uh, they, they take a famous scene from a movie and they say, this is why sound design matters and then they play some right. ridiculous other music like a Muppets theme with you know like Darth Vader entering the room so right. it's like you know it really does make a difference what you're listening to when you're watching something and experiencing something um, and so in where movies are concerned the Foley artists are the ones that really do all of the sound stuff because often with film you don't capture the real sound that tells you what the action is that the person is doing so they add in they're not really shooting bullets in or lasers <laughs> in star wars but they're you know you get that pew 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 you know and all of a sudden you believe it that yeah. they are actually shooting lasers even though Absolutely. they're basically play pretending <laughs> yeah and i've i've done both foley for the stage live foley and i've yeah often had to do foley for sound designs because you know if i can't find the sound that I want for a show, then I might just have to make it myself. Uh, and especially right. in the case of like maybe creating a monster or something for a horror play, right. uh, I might have a really specific idea of what that sounds like in my mind. And so I'll have to go find, you know, maybe the sounds of some various animals or maybe I make some sounds with my own mouth or something, you know, and I've, I've done that too, you know, like really like I want a slimy monster. So I'm going to kind of do a sucking thing with my my mouth and that's better than anything I'm going to find that already exists out there in the world and then I'm making something original as well which is really exciting right. uh, I think that's some of my favorite stuff to do is is building and creating my own sounds for a show right what what so you said uh you know you didn't know that this was a career so what led you to it how did you get into doing sound design well I did uh the apprenticeship at the Purple Rose Theater uh many, many years ago after college. And one of my rotations in that apprenticeship was with uh, local sound designer and director Tessa Gallinat. Um, so she kind of oh. became my mentor and taught me, uh, you know, as I was helping her with her design, she would have me search for songs of a certain theme. Um, but then one of the uh, exercises that she had me do was to create a two minute story, audio story that didn't contain any words, but I had to create the story just with sounds. Um, and I, that was oh, cool. so much fun for me. Uh, and so that's, you know, I, I discovered that I kind of had a knack for the editing and I just really liked it. Like besides the fact that you get to just listen to music a lot to, <laughs> to do these sound designs, uh, which is fun. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like I'm being paid to just put a playlist together. Um, but otherwise, you know, the <laughs> creation of these sound effects within the show, I just thought that was really, really cool. And I started to hear it in a lot of the things I was watching, whether that was theater or TV or movies and, pay more attention to it so um so yeah I became interested in it because of of that and because of her uh shortly after my apprenticeship she was directing a show over at the Tipping Point Theater and asked me if I wanted to sound design it she was putting together a whole female um design team and I you know I said I was pretty scared about it because I'd never done that before but if she was going to be directing then I could certainly pick her brain and, and get her help with it if I needed um you know it went it ended up going really well they asked me back the next season and then Williamston started asking me to come in and design and I, I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, just, I kind of fell into it 
um, didn't even really pursue it to begin with because I, I had no idea that that was something that I could do or wanted to do. Um, certainly, you know, in college, I was mostly just an actor, you know, I, I that was my focus. Um, and it's still my first love in theater is acting, but um, to have this other technical thing to do as well, you know, because, you know, it's hard to just act all the time. So to have another venture to do both of those things have been invaluable to me. You know, I, I get to work on both yeah. sides of the stage and I love that. It really does help you build a life in the theater to oh, be able absolutely. to have multiple skills. I mean, I started out as an actor too, and who knew that I could write grants, but Hey, <laughs> that's what I do. That is a valuable, I know skill. How, <laughs> valuable skill. And I know how to read financial reports. So now I do that too, you know, um, and those, those kinds of things, we, we develop all of these skills as we find that there is a need for them Absolutely, to be able to keep ourselves employed and our colleagues employed. Mm -hmm. So if we create this work and we can sustain it with multiple hats that we wear, then it just creates more work and more theater for everybody. So that's, you discovered that that's, you know, what so many of us do. Um, so when you, get handed a script when some like when Tony calls you up and says, Hey, we got the show. Uh, one I'm thinking of in particular that's coming up, Maytag Virgin. Mm -hmm. Um, when he sent you that script, like what is your process? What do you start with? And how do you find the inspiration? And like are there times when you go, Oh, I wish I hadn't said yes to this job. <laughs> or <laughs> You know, because there's the seedy underbelly, right? <laughs> like sometimes we don't like the work that we do. Sure. But um, but you know, or or what is it about a script that makes you go, oh, goody? You know, that sort of thing. And that's a lot of questions right there. Yeah. So why don't you start with like, <laughs> how do you start in your process? Sorry, I'm going all over the place. No, no problem. So, how do you start in your process? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I start with reading the play and uh, making notes throughout. If I have ideas about you know themes or the the kind of vibe that might work with the script I don't always know immediately what the music is going to be um, you know sometimes it's obvious because it's set in a certain era and it's you know just obvious from the script maybe it's the the main character has a, a definite vibe, you know, like, oh, this person's going to listen to a lot of emo music. So that's what we're going to go with or, you know, right. Uh, country or whatever, you know. So uh, I think what I first do is just list as many themes from the play as I can. And then I'll just make kind of a playlist. I'll collect a bunch of music and uh, so for Maytag Virgin, the show that we're we're doing next at Williamston, uh, the first thing I did was after I made my like list of themes, I thought, you know, this this play is set in Alabama. Maybe I just take a look at some artists from Alabama and see if any of those inspire right. me. And so, you know, obviously, um, Alabama Shakes is the first <laughs> band that I right. thought of, and I started listening <laughs> to them, which I hadn't listened to them in a while, and I just I love their stuff. And so I thought, They're you know, great. this is actually pretty cool. Um, you know, because it's, it's easy to sometimes think, oh, this is a love story. So I'm just going to go with like a lot of typical love songs. And I've done right. that. And, you know, I, but if I did that with every show, then I would get very bored. And I think, you know, a lot of audiences right. would get very bored. So I try to think of like, okay, is this a modern play? I can go with maybe some more like hip music or, you know, do I want to go with music that these characters definitely listen to? So, 
you know, that's, this has been kind of my starting point with this music. I sent the list to Tony, who's directing the play, and he said, well, I don't know that we have to stick with Alabama artists, and, you know, that's just where I started, so obviously, you know, everything, yeah. nothing is set in stone at this point, um, but that gave us a jumping off point to kind of listen to some other similar artists and say, oh, okay, well, what about this song by Nathaniel Radcliffe or, you know, this other band over here. And like, you know, we start to find songs within this genre that speak to the themes of the play. And maybe right. we continue in this direction or maybe in a couple of weeks, I find something else and go, oh, you know what? I think I like this better. Tony, what do you think? Right. And he'll either say yay or no, absolutely not. So <laughs> it's very collaborative for me with the director, especially, um, you know, I, I want to yeah. honor his vision of the play. And um, there have been, Hey, I'm excited about this music. What do you think? And the director's like, yeah, no, let's go in an opposite direction. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> that's fine. It's a bummer sometimes because, you know, you put in some work and you, you get excited you, about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the music I use in shows is music that I like to listen to myself because I figure if I don't mind listening to it on repeat for weeks while I'm working on the show, then, you know, the, the actors who have to listen to it and like the stage crews, stage managers, they have to listen to it through a whole run of a show. I don't want anybody to get sick of the music and, you know, hate the show because sure. of the music that they have to listen to for weeks on end. Um, so I always That's like it. considerate of you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> you know, if I'm sitting at home listening to a song and I'm like, oh my God, I can't listen to this one more time. It's probably not going to make it into the show unless it has a very specific purpose in the show. Um, sure. So that's, you know, music wise, that's kind of where I, I go from. And then, you know, of course, the uh, internal cues as well, your sound effects, a lot of those can be very straightforward. So I can just find, you know, cell phone rings or a doorbell or a toilet flushing or whatever it is. Um, sure. And those are, you know, fairly easy to find for me. Um, you know, there are a lot of websites that have sound effects or you know like I said sometimes I have to make them myself depending on what it is um, and then you know building everything internally making my full list of cues so that I can keep track of everything some shows have you know 50 sound cues in them and some have nothing but transition music um, which right. you know again is feels like being paid to make a playlist which is fun uh but the, the fun <laughs> stuff is when I get to you know create a lot of things to go within the play itself um and and yeah just getting all of that ready to go for tech day and then when we get to sit in the theater and put it all together and listen to the music in context of, of seeing the actors do the transitions or you know letting the actors hear that that monster for the first time in the space. That's, that's really fun stuff to me. Right. Well, and you mentioned that, you know, the simple things like a toilet flush, but toilets sound different depending <laughs> on the kind of toilet that they are. Sure. And if you want the sound effect to be a punchline, it's got to have a, you know, if that toilet flush is a punchline, you have oh, yeah. to, it's a different kind of a flush. Sure. So if there's nuance, even just within those simple things, the phones, you know, especially these days, we all get to choose what mm -hmm. ring we have on our phone. So what does that ring that that character chose to have on their phone, what does that mean about Absolutely. that person? Yeah, are they you the know? kind of person so there's who a lot of... has the standard ringtone for everybody? Or right. do they have a specific song for their mom and their best friend and their husband and whoever? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's fun <laughs> stuff too. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, for me, I love it when you really do, you don't even notice it, like uh, it where it creates the ambiance, whether it's at a ballpark or at a county fair or in an audience at a theater, which also has its own soundscape. You know, that soundscape that you bring to the story helps put you in the place and time of when this is happening, mm -hmm. which in our space is so important for that support because, you know, we don't have wing space. We don't have a huge fly space. We don't have any fly space, frankly. So that those sound elements, like with the lighting elements, those are things that are so crucial in a small, intimate space like ours to put the audience member in the world. So they go, oh, I'm at a little, little league game. I know exactly where I am. Mm -hmm. And there, and that adds to the storytelling of the whole piece. Um, do you mention talk a little bit about the monster sounds? What what was that experience, and what did you use that for? Um, I think I'm, I was specifically thinking of a play that we did at Williamson, and has been done a couple of other places called Pulp by Joseph Settlemeyer. Um, there was right. a, a, a monster sound that had to kind of travel from one side of the space to another. And, and I, I, I believe I did use a couple of different animal sounds, um, needed some, some kind of, Tony had requested some clicking, um, you know, that kind of like alien kind Ooh. of clicking sound. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't really find what I wanted. Um, so I just, took my microphone and started going and then oh, I could cool. you know I could kind of slow that down or put an echo on it or you know just manipulate it in a way that made it really creepy and I also used those kind of slimy mouth sounds for that one too and oh, I remember on, on Tech Day bringing that in and the actors just kind of getting a shiver going, oh, oh, gross. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best feeling because that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> right. It can really add to, you know, the world yeah. and, you know, put the audience member in the frame of mind of of the character in the show so that that heightened sense of fear or whatever or anticipation or dread uh, can really resonate, I think. Absolutely. And especially if you're not the seeing the thing, you know, if we're, if it's right. off stage or just out of sight. Uh, so all you have to go on is the audio, then it's really right. important to, to get that right. And as you were talking about, you know, atmospheres, if we have a really sparse set and we haven't built, you know, a, a whole building or neighborhood or whatever it is that we're in, having that atmosphere really puts us in that place if our visual isn't giving every bit of information to us. Right, right. Yeah, it's great. I love good sound designs. And I notice them just because I notice all the stuff. I mean, it's, sure. it's you know, when I go and see we a show. We as theater artists, we things. do. We, yeah, we, we know we this because we know we go, ooh, <laughs> somebody had fun with that sound effect. Yeah. But I've gotten so that I notice it in movies too, where I'm like, oh, I wonder where they got that sound. Um but it it really, I think it's such a, a critical and often overlooked part of live theater and storytelling. Um, but we do get asked frequently, oh, can you, who's the artist who's singing the songs at intermission or in the pre-show? You know, when the, and I really think that like post-show music is critical because yeah. I watch people 
in my role here at the theater, I do a lot of different things, but one of the things I do is house manage occasionally. And having music playing in the lobby while people are leaving extends whatever that feeling is as they walk out the door. So they carry it to their cars with them. So that, you know, music is so evocative. And um, I think it's great when people come up to the box office and say, what are the songs that we're playing in intermission? What are the songs that we're playing beforehand? And then we can hand them a song list. We often have those available. Sure. Um, it's just such a cool thing, you know, to, because then we are giving exposure to those artists as well, those music artists and, and, you know, hopefully the people go out and buy their albums and listen to them and, and spread that uh, knowledge of those musicians around as well. Absolutely. And I've gotten to use uh, local artists in the past with their permission to say, hey, you know, I want to oh, cool. use your your music for this show. It'll fit really well. And then we can, you know, have either their business cards or, you know, name in the program so that people can go out and find them afterwards. I just think that's right. that's really fun too. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I love during a show, uh, you know, hopefully not you know during a scene, but <laughs> during a show, if audience <laughs> members start singing along with something. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite memories from uh, another Joseph Settlemeyer play that we did at Williamston um, was uh, the Decade Dance. And it was it was set in the oh, 70s. Yeah. And so the music was all this amazing stuff from the 70s. The show started with, with Jeremiah was a bullfrog and you saw the entire audience start singing that song because who doesn't love that song and yeah that's just so fun and that is you know the camaraderie of theater everybody in the room experiencing something together and uh music is just I mean you know anybody who's ever been to a concert knows that it's it's one of the great equalizers in the world you know we we just love to sit and listen to music together and and for everybody to have a, a similar experience listening to a song is so fun and uh, just makes right. me feel really good as a designer. Like, yeah, we picked the right moment for this song, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You brought them together with the universal language. Absolutely. Which is cool. Do you have a favorite uh, sound design that you've done or sound, you know, moment that you've created? Oh gosh. You know, there are so many shows I've been really proud of, uh, a lot of music that I've loved listening to. Um, but I think if I had to pick one, uh, I'll, I'll choose one from Williamston. And I actually uh, won a, a the Thespi Awards, which is a, a small paper in, oh, cool. in Lansing, right? And I, you'll have to remind me which yeah, paper Lansing that state is. Journal. That's what it is. It's the State Journal, yeah. Uh, yeah, the State Journal. So not, not small at all. Uh, but they, they do these Thespi Awards for local theater. And I won one for The Woman in Black, which, uh, again, is a, a creepy, you know, October kind of play. Uh, we ended up doing a, a really great spooky version of that play. And within it, there is the sound of a carriage accident uh, in which a, a child oh. dies. And it's this really kind of horrific, you know, you're not seeing it happen. That play is done with a very sparse stage. You know, their actors are basically just using like boxes and trunks to sit on and, and make the carriage out of and all that stuff. So you're just hearing kind of a memory, um, a ghostly memory. And so uh I had to build this really kind of intricate carriage accident, which, um, you know, had to evoke a lot of emotion in both the actors and the audience. And 
I was really proud of that because I think that was maybe the, the first time I had to build anything that big sound wise. Yeah. Um, and, and it turned out really well. Um, you know, that's the sort of play where you, you, you hope it's going to be scary and you don't know until you get an audience <laughs> in the room. Right. Um, and, uh, oh, I also needed some spooky echoey whistles for that and for that play. And I, you know, somebody's uh-huh. calling for a dog across the moors and I couldn't find what I wanted online anywhere. And then I thought, wait, I know how to whistle. And so, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, you know, whistled and put an echo effect on it and made it so creepy. Again, it was one of those moments in the theater where the actors were like, ooh, yeesh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's super creepy. And I was like, yes, that's what I was going for. And- and what a challenge to do something like a carriage accident, because none of us know really what that sounds sure. like. It's a matter we of finding, you know, world. wooden wheels on ground or gravel and maybe some squeaking, some rumbling and, you know, uh-huh. voices or, you know, horses trotting horses, or are, right? they, are they running, walking, trotting, you know, like what. And uh, and so, yeah, it was a lot of little pieces to put together to make one big story, just like that, that story that I had to do in my apprenticeship that got me into sound design in the first place. It was very much like that, putting all those little pieces together to create a story that lasted maybe 10 to 20 seconds. Um, But yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And I was pretty proud of that one. That's cool. Yeah. And, and what a cool opportunity to get to do that because it really, it did add to the to the production so much and, and the emotion in the moment, yeah. um, like you said, both for the actors and for the audience members. Um, well, you know, I mentioned at the top that you are multi-talented. You <laughs> are not only a sound designer, but you're also an actor. Um, on our stage, our audience may have seen you in The Art of Murder and 1053, mm-hmm. but you've performed all over the place. Um, you've recently started narrating audiobooks which I know a thing or two about um <laughs> which is fun and a, a another way to look at how sound is so evocative in storytelling and sometimes it's just the sound of a voice um and you have an Etsy store what's the name of the <laughs> Etsy store again? it's called the Elven Cat um, and it's the Elven Cat. Yeah, right. I, I do still have it. It's it's fallen a little bit by the wayside in recent months because I've been so busy with theater stuff. But it is it's kind of you know a hobby shop for me in my spare time. I make uh, beaded jewelry. Um, sometimes, a lot of the times, in the shapes of cats. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I am a cat lover. I currently have two cats curled up next to and on me. Um, so you know I do love them and. Uh, a lot of the and their names are their names are Peter yeah. and Prince Harry. Well, you have been very busy the last several months, oh, and gosh, you're going yes. to be even more busy come January first. Talk to us about Penny Seats. Yeah, so I've been working with the Penny Seats Theater in Ann Arbor for the last, I think, about six years. Um, started out acting and sound designing with them. Uh, Joe Zettelmeyer, who we've mentioned a couple of times, is the current yeah. artistic director there, and. Um, he has chosen some really fun shows over the years for the Penny Seats to do. Um, I've had some of the best and most fun acting experiences at that theater. 
Joe is excitedly and sadly getting married and moving to Florida. Uh, they were looking for a new artistic director. And so I will be the artistic director starting on uh, the 1st of January, 2024, uh, which is very exciting and very scary. Um, I recently directed The Man Beast, uh, which was our most recent Penny Dreadful at the Penny Seats, uh, uh -huh. which was written by Joe Zettelmeyer. It was a uh, werewolf story, very, very cool. Um, and that was really the, the first full-length professional play that I had directed uh, for many, many years. Uh, and it kind of reignited a, a love of directing that I had kind of forgotten about. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing more of that, um, but more so just looking forward to creating more experiences at the penny seats, like the ones I have had, uh, just right. fun and exciting stories that uh, aren't being done anywhere else. You know, we like to do a lot of new stuff. We like to do fun adaptations of things, um, just creating an atmosphere for everybody involved that is special and fun. And, you know, we, we've just had amazing experiences there. I wanna keep those going for both our audiences and our artists. So if people wanna see uh, a Penny Seat show, what's the website? pennyseats.org that's nice. simple um so yeah they've been around for uh, a while this will be our 13th season coming up we are uh, just about to announce our season so i think by the time uh people are listening to this we will have announced all of our shows for next season we look forward to um seeing more of the work that you do on many different stages and listening to the work that you're going to be doing this season in Maytag Virgin, which will be your 14th sound design. Oh my goodness. For the Williamson Theater. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. Love I love that. it. Julia Garlat, thank you so much for chatting today. Really appreciate hearing about your process in well, the world you. of sound design. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. This has been awesome. You can hear Julia's next sound design at the Williamston Theatre in Maytag Virgin by Audrey Cephaly, running February 1st through March 10th, 2024. Be sure to join us for our next episode when we have a chat with lighting designer Shannon Schweitzer. For more information on our 2023-2024 season productions, check out our website at williamstontheatre.org. See you soon at the Williamston Theatre.